Welcome back to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Conversations Music Edition. My name is Ian, and tonight my featured guest is none other than returning friend of the show, Joe Taylor, of not only Verses, but also his own side project, Joe Taylor Must Die. This conversation is a little bit different. We're going to talk about issues that Verses had. We're going to talk about the new solo material and solo tour that Joe is going to be embarking on. And then we're also going to get into some really, really important topics. And that's not a tease. That's just getting you ready for it. Just a note as well. This was the beginning of my sickness very recently. And I wanted to leave this very raw. So there's some issues with some, you know, sound in the house that Joe was in and, you know, but I really wanted you to hear his story. So let's begin with the solo track Flagstaff and I'll see you after the conversation. Enjoy.
right, everyone, and welcome back. I am very happy today because we have returning friend of the show, Joe Taylor of Versus here. Joe, how's your day been going? It's been pretty lazy. Yeah. Pretty lazy. <laughs> well, we just kind of, you know, talked off air for a little bit here. You did finish something kind of major today, though, right? Yeah, we completed our contract with a label that we are very happy to be out of contract with, for sure. Gotcha. And I think we are going to go over that in more detail, I'm sure. But let me definitely put this out there right away. Not only do you have the band Versus, you were on the show previously, but you're also working on some really great solo work right now as well, correct? Yeah, it's been awesome, man. Um, got like a huge tour announcement for Friday, so that's going to be interesting. Oh, very cool. Uh, kind of, yeah, it went like 100 miles an hour right away, so it's, uh, it's going to be a cool experience. You know, there's a track on the Cardinal that's in a similar type range of what you're doing right now, but I think you had your first or very first single where you did it solo in November of last year, right? Yeah, yeah, we did a little uh, single last year. I think, yeah, it was about November, I think. Yeah, Flagstaff, right? Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, Flagstaff was probably November, yeah. Okay. My, the year's gone by so fast. Right, and that is something I briefly mentioned. We talked around February of 2017. That was right before the Cardinal came out in March. So, yeah, it's almost been almost exactly a year. Yeah, we we were just coming off the Alisana tour. That's right. That's right. I had, yeah. Yeah, new album was coming out. And, yeah, I think you were about to say it. You had pneumonia on that call. And right now I'm the one who's sick, but I don't think I was near as sick as you were. I was, at that time, though, I was so happy to be home. Right. And sick and sick at home. So it was, uh, you know, it wasn't too bad, but. About that, you know, those are two about two weeks of that tour that was just like trying to muster up what I could before the show just to go on and just deplete myself and try to do it all again. And yeah, it was interesting, but we got through it and now it's your turn. Yeah, now it's my turn. I have to go to the doctor and see if it's pneumonia. Not exactly sure. It's just been off and on this entire winter has been really tough. And, you know, we had talked last episode and we mentioned it off the air as well. You're from Seattle, so in Seattle, weather isn't that great normally anyways, right? Uh, You know, it's been better, honestly. We've oh, been having like, it's good summers, like super good summers, and like it's been really weird because it's the middle of winter, and we just had like three days of sunshine and like 55-degree nice. weather, so it's, you know, it's we're bipolar as hell here. <laughs> you know? That is much better than what it's been like in the Northeast, that's for sure. Well, let me ask you this before we even move on. How long did it take you in total to get over that pneumonia? Oh man, just because I didn't, I waited so long to, to like deal with it. It probably, I don't know, man. It took, it took a, it took about a month and a half, honestly, when wow. I got home to like actually being able to like not hack shit up. Mm -hmm. It was it took about a month, month and a half for sure. Damn, that is crazy. Wow. It was fun. Yeah. When you're doing it's character building, say that again. It's character building. All right, I like that character building. You're on the road. You have pneumonia. You come home. You're working on music. Character building. Yes. Very nice. Absolutely. <laughs> well, absolutely. sorry, I didn't hear that last part. I said absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, man. For some reason, you cut out every once in a while. It, it's not bad, but it's just every once in a while I can't catch that last part. It's probably gonna pull the phone away from my mouth. Ah. You know. So. I'm still a child. <laughs> we'll work through it. We'll definitely work through it. Well, then, for how you're doing now, you've got two brand new singles out. Very, very cool acoustic solo tracks. You're going to be announcing that tour on Friday. What's been going on with you recently? Just honestly waiting to, you know, just waiting for our contract to be over right. with Versus. So, like, that allowed lot of time for me to uh you know just kind of take a step back and and you know obviously be stoked for new verses stuff but i've been able to work on something more low-key and um like i said i went 100 miles an hour pretty fast so mm -hmm. the tour you know we're announcing on friday is like a it's an mtv sized tour so it's gonna nice. be like yeah it's gonna be 
weird. And then we got <laughs> one to follow it up that's going to be even weirder. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, with this solo tour, is this also with bandmates and verses, or is this all you? It's just all me. Okay. Um, this next tour uh, that I'm doing is just acoustic. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, uh, you know, I, I'm sure if it's a, a festival type situation, I'll reach out to my boys and like get them to help me, you know, actually full band it. Right. But um, other than that, it's just like, that's the purpose of it, just to be simple and like, I don't have to overthink it and we you know it just comes together organically we did the last single that i released uh the solo single called west 2 mm-hmm. and i did i did that with paul levitt in um baltimore and it features aj perdomo from the dangerous summer right and it, so we just kind of just ate pizza all day and drank <laughs> tequila and knocked the song out you know nice <laughs> is there a better way no there's not exactly <laughs> well let me, before we even go much, much further into that, I can only ask your perspective of it, but are all the guys in verses, are they good with this? You know, is this something where they're like, Joe definitely has to go out there and really take care of this by himself? Um, you know, they're, they're all super supportive because, you know, Brandon, the bass player of verses, has actually been uh, tracking most of the stuff that I'm doing. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, so it's like super supportive. And, you know, there's there's a difference between, you know, playing an acoustic set and um, having your band. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And so there's that's an energy there that can never be matched. And um, so I don't know. I think I think that they've been um, honestly stoked because it's allowed them to open up into a couple, you know, a little extra compartments that they never really thought about mm-hmm. mac uh he's really interested in writing okay you know and just and just like writing for people and so he's been doing that and brandon records and we're going to be ready to you know launch verses as soon as it's ready you know very cool so was everyone kind of keeping a low profile because you were having issues with the label yeah everybody um you know I feel like I can speak for everybody when uh, we say that we had a headline tour um, with uh, we announced it. It was going to be us with support from two stay sick bands for mm-hmm. revive and villain of the story. Oh, nice. Okay. And uh, we just didn't feel like we were getting support, you know, ah. like that we weren't, we weren't getting the support that we needed to, like keep going or even, you know, break the next, you know, seal and go where we want to go with the, with the band. Mm -hmm. And that was like super discouraging to everybody in the band. So it was just like a mixture between, you know, people being sick and me, I was, you know, I've been going through pretty hard, uh, you know, just rough time emotionally. It was just best to call the tour off because the support wasn't there. And we, uh, from that point on, I think everybody just kind of wanted to take a step back until it was worth it. Until until that their their work was respected right. by the people putting it out, you know? Absolutely. Because they worked, you know, obviously I'm, I'm the vocalist of the record, you know, and we had Josh too. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, Brandon and Mac, they worked their ass off on that record. Right. Like, Brandon tracked pretty much all of it alongside of Casey Bates and edited and like mac wrote literally most of the songs Mm -hmm. and so it's just discouraging so everybody decided it was you know best to take a step back until we had our it took this long to do it we had to wait it out unfortunately right so then for the novices out there people that don't know behind the scenes kind of stuff what support weren't you getting what were you looking for that wasn't being fulfilled when you're announcing a headline tour mm-hmm. you want strong support you want you know and we had that we put, but we put all that together ourselves nice okay um yes yeah, so, well our agent and you know and i remember i can't remember where what tour they were on but redeem revive or a couple of the dudes that are in redeem revive are also in another band and they stopped by my house and they were in town and you know we just had a 
uh, you know, stayed up pretty late just talking and, you know, and get a place to chill and shit. And, and, and that's how, you know, we put the support together ourselves. So then what you need from a label, we've already pretty much cut that out. But there's fine like when you're doing headliner sad stuff, you want the money to put behind it. Right. You don't want the like you're not putting this money in your pocket. You like this money goes like you want the money to promote the tour to make sure the the tour is going to be successful for you, successful for your support bands, successful for your label, successful for your agent, and like they just. They seem, you know, it just seemed like it was mediocre all the time. Like you had to, it was like pulling teeth, and so that's just the way it fell, you know. I'm not gonna like use names and bash, but sure. like it, it it put me in a it put me into a place where I started questioning everything, you know. And and for a label that's based off of morals, apparently, like that's that that sh- that shouldn't happen at all. So, but I'm just happy it's over. Right. I think everybody's happy it's over. Yeah, and it sounds like. That was a huge weight off your shoulders for sure. Because, yeah, I would imagine you put out a great album like The Cardinal. You want to have some backing towards it. You've got this initial promotional push because I remember that. There was at least that real initial like, hey, check out these guys. They're really killing it. You know, go see, you know, that tour with Alisana. But then there was the drop off. I think any normal person who follows the scene would know that for sure. Like, I think the only other thing that I might have seen from you guys was probably the cover from Bring Me the Horizon that you did. I think blew the fuck up. Yeah, that was huge. But that was, like, almost it, unfortunately. That's the kind yeah, of thing that I remember, yeah. No, how like it is, dude. That's what it was. Like, that's where it ended. And, like, the honestly, the cover was a, like, the cover was a desperate attempt to make something go on social media wise because our label wasn't fucking pushing anything. Right. Right. And yeah, and that's coming from now, maybe I'm closer to the scene than, you know, a quote unquote normal person who might just be scrolling through stuff. That's the kind of stuff I notice because obviously yeah, you shouldn't be able to notice that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that is really interesting. So when do you think you actually felt that complete? It was when you were trying to put that tour together but when did you guys decide as a group, we're just going to have to wait this out because this isn't going to get any better. We're not getting anything that we need from this relationship. Oh, fuck, man. The day, the couple days before, we actually decided to call the tour off, really. And, and Mac, and I don't even, I don't, I do not blame him one bit. He's, he, he said, I refuse to write another song until we're through this stuff and ready to and you know know what we're going after wow okay and i'm not mad at him right one of my best friends exactly and sometimes you have to take a stand like that for sure so the question and i don't know how much you can talk about when it comes to actual contracts and whatnot but does that mean that the contract was only for one album and then you would renegotiate for more or was it yeah okay yeah one album one album with it and they had an option okay all right and then after everything went down, it's like, eh, I guess we're going to let them move on. Yeah, basically. All right. And I don't know if this is the appropriate time to go into it or not. Tell me if it's not. But when we had talked off air and then also knowing stuff about the singles that you put out you know, as a solo act, I know that had a huge effect on you just personally as well as you know the whole band. Yeah. I mean, when you go into a record like The Cardinal even... Like there, um, it's like I don't know. You put your emotions on your sleeve. Mm-hmm. You throw you throw it out there, and when somebody who said that they were going to have your back on it, you know, pulls it pulls the rug out, like it puts a damper on things, you know. Right. So I mean, the solo stuff was a way for me for me, you know, like for to to realize I'm still here. Like hey, like. I can still, you know, I'm I'm still active. I'm still doing something. Right. Joe, by the way, I can hear some, like, paper rustling or something. Yeah, so it's a Looney Tune house. Sorry. Oh, okay. So then with that, you know, working on the solo stuff, and I don't remember if we talked about this on our first conversation, but you're also playing, you know, you're playing acoustic guitar during it as well. Yeah. When did you start playing guitar? Um, 
I mean, that was one of the first things I started doing is playing guitar and bass. Okay. So, like, that was probably, like, I would have been 14, and I'm 27 now, so I don't know. I'm not a mathematician, <laughs> but that's a long time. It's been a while. Yeah, I got you. You had talked about, you know, people in the band like Mac helping with writing tracks for the Cardinal. Did he help you with the soul stuff as well, or is this you just putting everything out on paper that you were feeling at the time? Oh, the solo stuff is just raw. Yeah. Like, I didn't I didn't need any help. I didn't want any help other than production. Obviously, Paul Paul Levitt killed the production on West 2. Yeah. And, um, but, like, I don't know. Like, I put it out because I needed to have an outlet, you know? And I wasn't able to use my my actual outlet to get, you know, to get stuff off my chest. And, right. I just got to a really low point, and um, it's just iron ironic because we were suicide awareness band, but I tried to kill myself. Wow! And I spent about a week in a mental hospital trying to figure my shit out, and so like it's just way more personal to me than that, right? To than a contract and money than like when someone is is coming at your throat about you know the things that mean the most to you. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it just doesn't, like, you can't, you can't play around like that. Right. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's just where, that's where the solo stuff actually came. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't expect it to really do anything, but apparently people are digging it. Hell yeah, man. I mean, it's gritty, it's raw, like, it's one of my favorite parts of the Cardinal and your, you know, your singing in general is how you can go from those clean vocals to that really, like, raw grit and you hear that you know you hear that in verses but it's also really really cool to hear it when you're doing an acoustic track as well absolutely it's um i don't know acoustically you can put a whole different energy into it mm-hmm. you think you would think it's not the same but you can put a whole the energy that you can get off an acoustic song is just you can really get those like low points and those high points and like the, it just sounds natural you know right now i don't know i'll ask this because i don't know how personal you want to get with it but when you talk about you know wanting to take your life and then actually attempting to do it and then you know going to a mental you know health facility for a week what was that final straw how did you how'd you break down mentally enough for that to happen i don't remember oh wow okay honestly i don't really remember much about that okay it was, it kind of just, it just, I don't know. I, I, I remember it was a bad day. I was also med- self-medicating with drugs and mm-hmm. trying, just trying to feel better any way I can. Or try to feel what I thought a normal human should feel like. And I don't know, like it just, nothing was numbing. There was no, nothing that like took, took anything away. And, and then I just kind of blacked out and I did, you know, I t- ended up taking a handful of pills and, you know, and then it wasn't the way to go. But right. luckily I'm still here and, you know, got the help that I needed and still bums, bums me out that it had to come, you know, that it had to be affected like that. Right. But you mentioned the pain aspect where you were trying to feel numb. And I know for a lot of different people, I know I can go through it you know, sometimes as well, it's the numbness that gets the people when you're trying to feel something, but you had it in that opposite way. Yeah. I was just trying to, trying trying to feel something. Right. How, you know, I just, I just know the, the the day that it happened, I woke up and I like literally, I, I like seriously asked myself a question out loud. I was like, do other people live like this? Mm hmm. And I and that was a serious question I had for myself, but you know, uh, I guess you know I needed I needed a little bit more help than was getting right at the at the time. Well, where did that help come from? After you asked yourself that question, did were you able to you know take take advice and you know call you know one of the prevention hotlines? How did you get help for yourself? Well, um. The, the night I tried, my best friend was there. He kind of, 
you know, forced me to vomit most of the stuff up. But um, wow. It, I guess. Uh, shit, man, I don't even know. It was just like so foggy. Right. The whole thing is just really foggy. I did, the help that I needed was what I didn't think was help at the time. It felt like, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've ever, you know, seen that the inner workings of a mental institution or a mental hospital or a behavioral health facility, whatever you want to call it. Um, but that shit is like jail. Right. Like, you can't have shoelaces. You can't have anything with strings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like it, it's ridiculous it's re- completely ridiculous and but then you're like i don't belong here and then you realize that you do ah all right what i was gonna lead into next was yeah i think many people may not understand like i know about that kind of thing from movies and tv shows you know you hear that oh you can't have a belt you can't have yeah like you said shoelaces or anything like that what is it like being disconnected from the world? I'm assuming they take away your phone and anything else. Oh, no. Well. Yeah, you don't have your phone. Your phone's gone. No, the only thing you have is a call-out number and a pay phone that you can use whenever there's not stuff going on, like groups, therapies, or mm-hmm. something, which you had to attend all of. Oh, okay. So what helped you the most in that? Did you have... Did you have single therapy sessions on top of group therapy sessions? Yeah, it was therapy all day. Oh, wow. And, and you're hella medicated. Oh, so it's medication on top of that as well. Oh, absolutely. You're like a zombie in that place. Damn. So some of the things we've seen in movies are very similar to what they actually do? Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty... It's pretty... Um, it's, yeah, it's pretty accurate. Wow. Wow, I would not have guessed that at all. So, did any of that help you whatsoever? Uh, I mean, the meds help. Is it more like a balancing? Is it kind of getting you back to what you feel is quote-unquote normal? I think the man is just trying to make Joe Taylor a regular person. Okay. <laughs> is that possible? Uh, I don't I'm looking across the room to my manager slash agent. He's making me seem like it's none, none of this is possible anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's understandable then. So, I mean, I find this very interesting because I don't often get to talk to someone who's gone through something like this. Was there anything that you found helpful in that week where you were there? Um, Just probably like routine. Like, give me a schedule. Mm-hmm. Like... It was like prison, so you like uh, eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's all you got to leave. I mean, is that weird to ask what the food was like? Uh, what was the food like? It it was if if I've never been to prison, so I couldn't tell you if it was like prison. Sure, but I can only assume that prison food wasn't much better or worse. That it was uh, pretty accurately the same. Okay, all right. So was this something that was mandated for you? Or was this something you did voluntarily? Uh, voluntary. Well, that's good. I mean, it's it's good in a way to try and take control of what you think you're able to, right? Uh, well, see, like, basically how it happened was um, once some family found out what was going down, like, they, you know, really pushed me to there, and I agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, I strongly disagreed once I figured out where I was. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, so that was it. The, my first... My first night was like a movie for sure because I was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't having anything. I, once I figured out where I was at, mm-hmm. where I was at, like what the situation was, I freaked out and like was being held down by nurses and like it was, it was pretty much just a breakdown, man. Honestly, my, as much as you could have a breakdown, that's the most accurate thing. It just kind of short circuited. What was that transition like after you got out after i got out mm-hmm. well like i don't know it, it's like high school in there. like you got all your clicks okay you got you know everybody is equal opportunity crazy i guess but there's some people in there with their screws a little bit tighter than others and and um but it's reality 
and you kind of migrate to the groups that you know this is weird how that kind of naturally happens and then you that group of people kind of helps you get through the situation mm-hmm. so yeah actually the girl I, that's in the west 2 video i actually met inside of the mental hospital oh okay yeah and i've had an ongoing relationship with that lady as well oh that's awesome i'm assuming that helps you know kind of balance you out a little bit and you have someone to talk to about the somebody that understands exactly oh she has her screws tighter than i do though that's for sure (laughs) that's better right yeah yeah yeah. exactly you need someone to be able to control i'm a work in progress Well, that's awesome she's able to be in the video as well. Yeah, it was like, I mean, the video was dark and about something dark. So right. what better way to do it than just be honest with the situation and just show it, you know, show it like it is. So how long afterwards did you actually start writing these singles? Um, Two of them were, you know, Flagstaff was already out. Okay. And, uh, you Won't Pass Go was already out. I had just gotten back when all this happened. I had just gotten back from Baltimore recording West Two. Oh, okay. A, yeah, so I like just literally got it. I was I just got shit hammered at the at the airport, like way too drunk. Mm-hmm. Like I'm surprised we ate, like we had a couple people warn us that if we did not chill out, we weren't going to make our flight. Oh wow, kind of shit. <laughs> And so we were, you know, I was out of control and then it kind of went downhill from there. And, um, that's probably where the, then the next night is, or the next, the night after that was, um, the night it all happened. But, you know, we, we got through it. We're here still. Yeah, that's great. That's absolutely great. So now taking from those experiences, has that led you into writing more tracks? Is it going to be a full album? Absolutely. It's going to be, yeah, I'm going to be releasing probably three or four, um, or probably two or three more videos Okay. Well, before I release a record, but I'm going to do a full length for sure. It's going to have a mixture of the acoustic with like, and there's some that are kind of full band driven with like more little brand new laid back. Oh. All right. So it's going to be a little, little everything, kind of. I don't really have any rules, you know? Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Absolutely can, and it feels good. Yes. You don't have a contract. You don't have any of that stuff holding you back. Now you can just do whatever you want and vent all those frustrations and feelings and kind of balance out. Yeah, and I'm hoping now that you know the contract is over, the boys will get, you know, their their you know excitement within it back mm-hmm. and we'll be able because i mean brandon's working on the song right now oh nice it's killer yeah it's freaking killer so i'm sure we're going to be releasing something you know in the next in the coming months hopefully by the time summertime comes yeah that would be great so now for versus yourselves do you think this is going to be something where you're going to shop around to another label or with that experience are you going to try to be completely diy well, the one, the cool thing about our situation was that, you know, we were, you know, we were assigned to who we were assigned to, but we're with the Outer Loop group mm-hmm. and our manager is Mike Mowry, a powerhouse in the industry. And, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're, we'll release through Outer Loop group until, you know, anything, something that's worth it comes along. But Outer Loop group, it's an amazing company. They like have wonderful people that work for them and it's extremely pleasant to work with these people and it's been like that for three years now and a cohesive relationship that just gets shit done you know yeah yeah that's always i think a little confusing for people who don't know the industry as well but yeah you can be you know managed or partnered with a company like that but then also be signed to a label but then that company can also kind of farm out and put things out for you as well it's always an interesting dynamic oh absolutely which is there's so many branches to it that, like you know, recently Artery sold to Warner. Right, right. Um, well, Shandan, he went to Outerloop Group, ah, so okay, he's going to be running the record part of Outerloop Group. 
So it just keeps getting sweeter and sweeter. Mike Mowry is always scheming up some master plan, <laughs> and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Yeah, that sounds great. With the let's go back to the touring aspect. I know you've got to make the announcement, but are you going to be going out with anyone? Or are you going to be taking the stage, you know, just by yourself and going from there? Oh, yeah, I'm actually going out with a with a MTV um, reality star esque headliner. So it's, wow, it, yeah, it's it's going to be nuts. And then after that, it looks like we'll be taken off to. Um, to do a West Coast tour with uh, someone that was originally with Nickelodeon. <laughs> All right. That. So whenever we announce them, you'll know exactly who we're talking about. So it's a, uh, it, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I can already cancel out the Miz because I'm pretty sure he does everything else except for sing. So who the Miz? You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you count him out. You count him out for sure. But that would be but... amazing tour if I get that to work sometime. I would love to do that. <laughs> agents are always looking for a crazy idea man that's right i know he'll be the host or something it'll work out perfectly but no man they're that's always sorry go ahead they're always they're always they're always looking for that one weird thing and they make him you know put them over the edge every time <laughs> that is very or they're true. just looking to screw you either one that's yeah. pretty much either or a label yeah unfortunately you've seen the worst of that which really blows yep yep it does but you know I'm the kind of person that just speaks facts mm-hmm. and and I'm just not, you know, I never go out to tarnish someone's name, but I will always speak the facts. And that's why you know? I completely understand we're not using names. I'm sure people can do their own research and figure things out. But as much as I am a fan of that label, I mean, you know, I've had many bands from that label on the show. I have friendships with a lot of bands, mm-hmm. you know, on that label, but I also, I'm not an idiot. And I know how things work. And unfortunately, no matter how much you like certain parts of certain labels or certain bands or whatever, you know that things like this do tend to happen. And it just, it really sucks to hear how it affected you and how it affected the band. But I'm really glad that you're getting through it. And it seems like you found something that's really working for you. Yeah, it just weirdly worked out. Which life doesn't often do that, so it's it's really great to hear that it did for you. Yeah, it's gonna be a good time. Um, it's just uh, it's just gonna be a, the the best platform to release, you know, more singles on and keep keep everybody going this summer. And you know, like I said, hopefully the summer versions will have something out. But it's all you know. I have a feeling the next time versus put something out is gonna be something defining. Awesome, love hearing that. Well, let me let me ask you about, you know, with your vocals and with everything that you're doing with writing and everything, how do you keep healthy now? How do you make sure that your voice is where you want it to be? Have you had to change any techniques? Anything like that? Well, honestly, the best the best thing you can do that as long as you just do it, it'll make your life a lot easier. Just drink water. Sure. <laughs> I look. I've heard it from other people. Like, like it's eventually, yeah. It'll, <laughs> you're gonna start fucking your chords all up. Right. Now, do you know? I'm sure you don't. You know, keep track of it. But is that a beginning to end of the day kind of thing? Where if you can ever get your hands on water, you're drinking it, or is yes, something? You just okay. Need to drink it like it's your job. Gotcha. Okay. And make sure, and like you just don't think about it, but once you do it, and just watch the difference and how you feel when you start to approach the beginning of your set, it just makes a world of a difference. Do you do any, and I'm not just talking about vocal exercises, but you do any basic regular exercises in general as well, uh, sorry, in general as well. Do you do any sports? Do you do any running? Is there any cardio that keeps things going for your breathing? I'll be honest with you. I don't really run and stuff like that. I should. Sure. Um, but uh, it's mostly just mental and keeping my throat hydrated for me okay um i i mean i lose my breath every time i'm out I'm up on stage and because i overexert myself quite a bit but you know water has helped with that for sure okay so water is definitely the biggest plain old h2o yep <laughs> what do you do for practicing the guitar do you normally do it every day is it something that comes naturally to you what do you normally do well 
I play it every day just for one to keep the calluses up on my hands because if you <laughs> if you you know if you lose those calluses on your hands then you know it acoustic guitar sucks to play right a lot of whatever your hands are all nice right. so but um just repetitively playing the songs mm-hmm. just just so it can just become muscle memory you know and there's not any real warm up like scales that I do. I probably should, but I'm just a guy in a rock band that <laughs> picked up an acoustic guitar and it's working out too, so I don't know. Right, right. And let me round out that line of questioning by asking about what's your songwriting schedule that you normally do? Like how how do you normally take down songs? Do you sit down and say, I'm writing for this amount of time? Are you an inspiration person? How does it work for what you're doing acoustically? Never. I could be sitting, I could be laying in bed about to go to sleep and kind of just like get a wild tickle and like, you know, this would sound cool. Okay. Pick up the guitar and play it a few times and maybe record it on my on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Like just a voice recorder so I can remember what I did. But it's really random. It just make like a song writes itself to me. I'm sure other people are different, you know. Does that go for lyrics as well? Kinda. Um, I, it's like Joe. I can't hear you sometimes. Are you eating? Oh, I just finished. <laughs> I was going to see how far I can get to this interview without anyone notice how I was eating. I'm but... pretty sure they're going to notice. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, what was that question again? I forgot <laughs> I was eating. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you made the like the sick wheeze come out there. That was good. Uh, I had I had asked about guitar, and then what about lyrics? How are oh, you lyrics? The same? Yeah, it usually just comes across as like statements. Like I just write like one liners or two liners and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's your brain, so those two liners and one liners are all coming from the same place. So you pretty much go ahead and count on that you can cohesively use write a song from all these one liners that you're doing. Okay. So you and then it usually starts with just like a melody and I just try to see what, what works, what does it, what what sounds forced and you know, it, it usually just writes writes itself. It's kind of more of journaling experience. Okay. That makes sense. All right, Joe. So, you know, we briefly talked off air and you know i i got a lot of questions about music and a lot about what you were going through but to kind of not wrap things up right away but to kind of go back to what we were talking about before we did kind of hit on a little bit that you know with the cardinal you were you know an anti-suicide anti-depression band in a way with your lyrics and what you talked about how do you feel you're going to be able to talk to people in the future after you know what happened to you yourself well it's like you know it's just i just have to find moderation in it and and i obviously want to help people as much as i can but um like i was telling you off air that we um that it kind of became where i was living and breathing suicide you know and my stepdad's suicide and at the end at the end of the day that put me in a very weak and vulnerable, you know, vulnerable place. And it was, you know, it, it consumed me. And so definitely I want to help people. I really do, but I do need to take a step back of counseling and I, I will love to hear, I want to hear everyone's story. I, I really do. But right now it's just, that I don't think that I have the capacity for it, you know? Hey, Joe, you kind of went pretty underwater there. Do you mind repeating that part? Yeah, yeah. I just feel like um, I feel like I'm, I don't have the capacity to counsel right now, you know, to and I, so I want the I want the lyrics to stay real and raw <laughs> and 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 everything. But like it's it just has to be. I have to be able to do it lyrically and not you know so much one-on-one therapy with kids like and i helped you know i hope i helped a lot of people and i've and i've gotten a lot of you know thank yous and for just taking the time to to 
talk to people like that because they like they said nobody else will nobody else comes out of and i and if more bands did it i feel like it'd be easier to carry the load right but and and actually we we talk i'll I'll even bring it up the you know the chester bennington thing it made suicide awareness relative again right even though it never went anywhere it's been the it's been but it, that's what it does. That's what it takes. It right. takes a celebrity. There's uh, there was a a young rapper uh, kid that died. Uh, little peep, little peep, or little no, little pump or something. Oh, I, I can't. Yeah, maybe I'm incorrect on that one. It, it's it's peep or pump. One of them's still alive, but it, the it's a sad story. It's just like right. a kid who medicated himself to a point where he couldn't come back. You know, right? So it, it's. People can say that he was, oh, he's a rapper, and he was just out. Like nobody does that shit unless they're doing, unless they're trying to get through something or forget something or like be numb or feel something. Like nobody does, nobody does that shit to be cool. Like really, really does it? No, no, no. Yeah, the only, and this isn't to you know joke about it. The only thing that I've ever seen, entertainment-wise, that's ever been where suicide was made to be cool was the movie Heathers. I don't know if you mm-hmm. ever saw that. Yeah, I've seen it. That was the whole point of that of that entire movie was, you know, showing people that it's not cool by making it cool in that whole scenario. So yeah, I completely agree with that. And I did want to bring up, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but there are at least some bands, as I'm sure you know, that do really champion that you know anti-depression anti-suicide all that kind of stuff one of the big ones is ghost key if you've ever heard them before uh yeah i've heard of them yeah they're they're big proponents of that so it is nice to know that you're not alone there that there are you know other bands that are trying to help with that my question to you would be are you at all worried that when people do find out about this if you had helped them in the past are you worried that they're gonna think less of you or be concerned for themselves that the person that they look up for wasn't able to do what they asked them to do. No, I think, I think if anything, it makes me more human. It makes me more relatable I agree. To, to, to them, you know, and because of anything I tried that and it wasn't the right way. Right. You know, Yep. I've, I, I can tell, I can tell them that it wasn't the right way. It was, you're going to hurt more people than you're going to help yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's so, yeah, I, I wish it, I, I hope it turns into every band. You know, it's starting to die off because, you know, the Chester Bennington and the Internet just cycles through one thing after another. But right. it's, you know, I hope it becomes every band that reaches out to people because, you know, there's a lot of bands, dude. Like, oh, yeah, if we made th- if we made that cool. If we made wanting everyone to be alive cool. This the the scene could do it. <laughs> oh, for sure. The scene could do it if they just did it all together, but it's not. It, it's. I don't know, man. I don't think ever there's going to be a time where anybody's on the same page, you know. No, that would be. Unfortunately, that would be pretty tough. That is very true, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's so interesting, you know, talking to you in the past and talking to you now, and maybe it was because you know. You had pneumonia back then, but it does seem like you're in a much better place. And that's why I wanted to ask you that, because I think it's absolutely true is people should look to you as like, hey, he even knows more almost about this right now. He knows it's not right. And hopefully other people will know that it's not right as well. Yeah. Trial and error. I already tried. So learn from my mistake, you know, and it sounds like no one ever wants to go to a mental health facility because that sounded like shit. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, the staff there, other than Brenda, <laughs> but the staff, but the staff there is amazing. Like they're really good people. Was Brenda like? Uh, was Brenda like Nurse Ratchet in One Flew Over? Yeah, the Brenda Christmas? was just mean. <laughs> Brenda was just very mean. I don't think she was. I don't think she was doing it on purpose. I think she her, her just demeanor is uh, just mean. Maybe it's years and years of 
you know, trying to help people and being shit on or something. Yeah. Uh, she does. She, she's, she does her job. Right. You know, not, not well, but I think she could find a professional work better for her, but gotcha. Um, yeah, there were just awesome staff there. And, oh, good. And, and it's just what they have to do is shitty. Right. You know? Yes. So it is what it is. It's a mental hospital. So just, uh, man, it made everything so much. Well, obviously I learned that I had some more issues than I thought I did. Mm -hmm. And, but I got it human, it humanizes everything because I met really good people inside of that place. Like people that nor the normal people would never even have a conversation with because they think they're crazy. Right. Well, I mean, look, I made I made the one flew over the cuckoo's nest reference, but that's one of my favorite books and one of my favorite movies, and that was a whole character development over people yeah. that you might not talk to because you think they're crazy, but you have firsthand experience and you have a relationship out of it as well. Well, those people are like when you're in that place, those people are all you got. Right. So you like the problems they have and you realize that you have your own set, like, Oh man, I just met, I met interesting people. Like, and it's also creepy at some points. Like sure. there was a girl that walked up and down the hallway, dragging her blanket with a pillow in her hand, singing the lollipop guild song at like wow. three thirty in the morning to like six. Like, damn, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and like all you have to do is like build puzzles and stuff there, and she would like wait until they're done and steal the eyes out of them and stuff. It was like there was some bizarre things that happened in that place, but yeah. there are really good people in that <laughs> right. place as well. Yeah, you got to look at the positives. That's for sure. Do you do any like group stuff now? I, I just see it. I see my. Thing. I don't. I'm not so much of a group person. Okay. You you have to do the groups when you're in there, but like. Uh, I just one on one see my therapist and psychiatrist now, very, very, very routinely. Okay, so besides all of that, because that's just amazing to hear about. I know we had talked about you know the basics of drugs and everything, but I'm assuming that you have something that you want to also tell people about drugs in general. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's not the way to it's not the way to go. It'll make you feel better for the time being. I mean, that's for sure. It's a, but like the only way you can really get rid of stuff is dealing with it. And I'm like, I have to say that lightly because I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Sure. But it's, uh, it's just important that you don't try to rely on drugs that aren't prescribed to you <laughs> to right. feel better. Right. And the Xanax thing is getting out of control, by the way. Yes. I have, yeah. unfortunately, uh, known people, yeah. And it's getting out of control. It seems like a safer option, but nothing's safe if you take too much of it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just not. And for any musicians out there that decide that they're going to just be cool and take Xanax all the time, it really, really, really fucks with your memory, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was very hard to write songs like that. Oh, yeah. I would imagine it would be. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, it's just one thing you have to just learn to live with, you know? Right. And learn that you can be without those things. And it's just important. It's important that we do not try to go Xanax or heroin or whatever people are trying to push on you to make you feel better. It's just a simple, it's just a temporary fix to a very, very long problem. Right. All right, Joe. I think that is a perfect place to end there. Obviously, I've enjoyed speaking with you tonight. I thought that was amazing to hear about everything that you've gone through. And I mean, I hope that it inspires people, you know, in the really good way when they hear this. So obviously, I'm a big fan of your solo work. I'm a big fan of what you're doing in verses. Looking forward to hearing, you know, more music from both. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have links in the description of the episode so that people can not only hear verses, but also hear the solo work. I will obviously promo when the tour announcement goes out so that people can hopefully go see you for that. 
But for right now, is there anything or any way that's best for people to support you? Uh, yeah, just, um, you know, if you feel so inclined, we've got a lot of merch going on at uh, Joe Taylor Must Die uh dot big cartel.com mm-hmm. and uh there's plenty of cool gizmos and things on that and everything supports everything helps and obviously it takes a lot of money to do these tours and stuff so all the support is appreciated and i can't wait to announce this thing on friday absolutely and now is there anything else you'd like people to know before we leave obviously this is going to come out after friday because I'll be I'll have to go through everything. So is there anything else that you want people to know right now? Listen to music. <laughs> Stream music. Do whatever <laughs> it is. Pirate it if you have to. I don't care. Just do it, you know. There you go. Well, Joe, thank you so much for being so open with me and everyone out there listening. Much appreciated. And I can't wait to have you back on the show when we can talk about all the solo tour everything that's going on with versus, you know, seeing where you're at with everything in life. I think it's going to be a lot of fun as well. Absolutely. Look forward to continuing the relationship, man. Absolutely. She's always searching for the answer. She never knows which way to go. She finds the errors in her own ways She learns her heart was made of stone Cause
All right, everyone. I am back, and the last track you heard was another solo track called You Won't Pass Go. That conversation might have been a surprise for people, but I think it was really important to talk about. And I know Joe wanted to talk about it. He was the one who reached out to me and said he wanted to get all this stuff out. So I thought it was really important. Not only do I like talking to Joe, but I also wanted to do this the right way as well. I hope and I think that the message that Joe wanted to get across actually came across. And what I'm going to do right now is give out the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The number is 1-800-273-8255. It's available 24 hours a day. So if you are thinking of hurting yourself, if you're thinking of committing suicide, if you need to talk to anybody, call that number reach out to someone you care about, reach out to anybody. It's so very, very important. And I know Joe knows he was one of the lucky ones. And I'm sure you could hear it while he was talking about it. I am so happy for Joe that he's feeling better. He's got his life back on track. Versus is going to be making new music. And he's going to be doing this great tour with Joe Taylor Must Die. You have to take a listen Obviously, I've been playing some tracks during this conversation. I hope you're paying attention because they're really damn good. So make sure you check out the solo work. See if you can go see him live. And then keep your ears open for whenever Versus is working on new material because that's another great band. I will once again have links in the description of the episode so you can support Joe, not only with the solo material, as I mentioned, but also with Versus. And if you liked what you heard, make sure to follow the other links in the description of the episode to support me, Ian Hates. Thank you guys very much for listening and all the continued support. I really hope you learned something tonight. And we're going to end with another solo track from Joe Taylor Must Die. This is West 2, When It Rains, featuring A.J. Perdomo. And I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone. I feel like a runaway train Losing track of my days Drifting slow I think I lost the blood in my veins Something's wrong with my brain Never know If everything gets better Nothing's holding in place A feel of grown cold in my face Must be part of my fate I'm always told that I'm supposed to carry on There's no turning back when underneath the pond I feel it drying out and breathe Then it Dry up on my dogs again
Just lost my fucking brain